The word capitalism evokes strong feelings in some, not all of them positive. But the guiding values behind the notion, freer markets, and innovation have been integral in societies stretching back millennia. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10.3. National Post politics editor Mick Higgins joins me to discuss the history of capitalism, why it gets a bad rap, and how it can be a force for good. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Mick, this week, the National Post has launched what it calls the Capitalist Manifesto. Uh, You kick off the series with an overarching look of kind of the history of capitalism, where it's at now, and where it could go going forward. But I'm curious, why look into capitalism and its role in the world right now? Why is it the right time to look at it as a guiding principle or an historical movement or even a roadmap for the future? I think because, Dave, capitalism uh, always gets a bad press. I mean, you know, you just use the word itself is a pejorative. People never use capitalism. Well, most people don't use capitalism as a, you know, as a what a wonderful thing. They use it as a, a sneer, as a snide remark. And yet it's had such a wonderful impact on society as a whole, especially over the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. And I think we do need to look at it more as a philosophy that has helped hundreds of millions of people escape poverty and to create a better world. And as you say, like it's a pejorative to a lot of people, you know, even in your piece kicking off this series, you you say like, maybe it's not the best word for it. Maybe it's innovism. Maybe there are other words that kind of sum it up. What is a good way to look at what capitalism is? That actually, I think, informed my piece, Dave. I didn't want it to be a history of capitalism because that could be a very short piece. But if you look at the spirit of capitalism, I think you can find it, as I say, going back to traders using camels to to cross the Sahara in the fifth century BC, which they did. That's the spirit of people using their own labor, people using their ingenuity, people having goods to sell and buy. That's the sort of spirit of capitalism, which I think, you know, you can start talking about the philosophy of capitalism. And the word innovism was actually coined by Deirdre McCluskey, who is a historian and economist. And she said that innovism to her means the ingenuity and the innovation that people bring to capitalism. She doesn't like the word capitalism either, which is why she coined innovism. And it's that ingenuity, it's that creativity that brings together, maybe it's just a a small business, but it's a business that helps the person as well as adding to society. And there are such benefits, I think, of capitalism to society that people just either ignore or when they talk about it pejoratively, just don't want to acknowledge. Many people, they hear the word capitalism and they think, you know, Adam Smith, and they also think the Industrial Revolution is kind of when this idea got started. But as you mentioned, it's a concept that's much, much older than that. And you mentioned, you know, the traders across Southern Asia, the fifth century BC. What are some other examples as a concept where you see this ingenuity, this innovism, this, you know, using their own labor across human history? I think one of the greatest examples is probably the Silk Road. Again, it's had sort of its origins in the uh, second century BC, but throughout history, the Silk Road 
has connected east and west. And it's not just a trading route, although it has been primarily a trading route. It's the fact that that contact and the cultures that met and engaged, they traded ideas, they traded businesses. And so again, it added to an increase in societal benefits. So again, it was trade that helped push it. And Peter Frankopan, who uh, wrote The Silk Roads, uh, History of the Silk Roads, you know, his titles in the book, which I mentioned, just illustrate, I think, how much trade and capitalism has been done along it. You know, it's, it's the Silk Road, the Gold Road, the Silver Road, also the Slave Road, of course, especially in the Roman era. When did capitalism, as we may know it today, begin to take shape? Was it, you know, the Adam Smith era, the Industrial Revolution, or has it been kind of a more recent development? I think most people would sort of talk about the Industrial Revolution or Britain's Industrial Revolution in the uh, 18th century as being the starting point. Before that, you would have had Adam Smith, who 1776 wrote The Wealth of Nations or had it first published. Before that, you've probably got companies like the Dutch East India Companies and the British East India Companies in the uh, 16th century who created companies and developed the stock market. Before that, you've probably got the Medici's. Banking had always been around, but they sort of formulated an international banking course. So that sort of created the building blocks for the Industrial Revolution. But the Industrial Revolution itself, of course, came out of an age of people thinking, being allowed to think, being freed up to think about things. And that creates ideas and that creates the basis for the inventions which powered the Industrial Revolution. And so in the 18th century, you've got this explosion of all these new inventions and they all come together to create this booming society although at the same time let us not forget you also had the dark satanic mills the uh, William Blake's wonderful evocation of the dark factories of northern England you had uh, child labor you had long working hours so capitalism was born in tough circumstances there was this great inequality across society mm-hmm. but even out of that A century later, you would get things like trade unions, female emancipation, better working conditions, people living longer. You mentioned in your piece, the history of capitalism isn't necessarily all positive, though. You write that it has its share of blood on its hands. You mentioned child labor. You mentioned these poor working conditions. Mm -hmm. And you even mentioned slavery. Like, it hasn't always been a positive force how did it reconcile that with itself? Was it just a matter of society progressing and realizing that we can't trade in people, we can't force children to work, or did it have to come to be pushed along? Like you say, like the labor movement of the 19th and early 20th centuries, like did it need some pushing to become more progressive? You know, if you just look at it in a bubble, it's it's merely this economic idea mm-hmm. of people being able to sell their labor, of free markets, of not government intervention. And that's fine, but society doesn't work in bubbles, right? There's so many things that interact that you can't take capitalism as a bubble because otherwise you might create these gross inequalities where, you know, there are fat cats and the robber barons. You do need society to look at some of the failures or the blood on its hands and say, well, you know, we have to address these. The Pope has been a critic of capitalism, and yet last year he has joined some of the biggest capitalists in the world to try to look at how to make sure that capitalism is looking at society and that one of the things capitalism does is to try to build 
a more equitable society and to make sure that people are not working long hours or that there's child labor to have a social conscience as it were mm -hmm. so you know i think even the pope accepts that although there can be inequality in the capitalistic system it can be and is i think a force for good we talked about you know in the last several decades it has pulled hundreds of millions of people out of poverty in places like india and china and so it can be a force for good you talk about that in your piece, the idea that places like India and China and even, you know, North America and Europe, the ability for free markets and innovation to help pull people out of poverty as being kind of one of the main positive forces of this belief system. What other positive impacts did you see or did you discover in writing your piece that capitalistic ideas have had on society and humanity? One of the things I would return to is that whenever capitalism started, whether you look at the British Industrial Revolution or whether you look at the US in the late 19th, early 20th century, that originally it's accompanied by these long working hours, child labor, things like that, things that are not good. And yet society changes and evolves so that people do end up working longer hours because there are benefits to the capitalist society to create things, to sell things, to make life better, to create better housing, to create air conditioning, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, There are things that just help society get along and make living better. The Industrial Revolution also helped create societal benefits with unions, health benefits. You create hospitals, people start living longer. Yeah. So it's not just dragging people out of poverty, it's giving them eventually a living wage and then giving them a wage that's more than a living wage. And eventually the people themselves can become capitalists. We'll be right back. There are some who say that capitalism is a force that's driven by greed. Mm -hmm and greed alone or self-interest alone. What's the counter argument to that argument? I think it's true that there are capitalists in the world who have got large amounts of money because they've created something, they've innovated, they've developed something that people want, and they can only get rich because people want what they're selling, right? You can't just create something and make a million bucks out of it. You know, this is what people want. And so they are giving something back to the people. But I think Deirdre McCluskey said that greed is not capitalism. It's one of the seven deadly sins. It's, it's perhaps not a good thing. It's innovation. It's risk-taking. It's creating something and creating something that gives something back to society. That's possibly one of the benefits of capitalism. It's funny, in, in discussions with a post-media colleague of ours, you know, we were having a bit of back and forth about Adam Smith, and I talked about the idea that you're providing something that offers a good to people, and whether that's the idea of capitalism as a whole or what you're creating because you're innovating and you're offering a good for someone to buy, mm -hmm. you're offering something for sale, it, that it has to provide some benefit to that person and possibly to society as a whole. It, like, is that... One of the guiding beliefs of capitalism that people tend to forget, this idea that you're providing something that is for the good of more than just you and your pocketbook. Mm -hmm. And of course, Adam Smith talked about the invisible hand operating in the market. Mm -hmm. And when he's talking about that, the, the three that he mentioned was the butcher, the brewer and the baker. And they're all creating well, whether it be bread or beer, they're creating something which other people want or need and are willing to pay for it. And so there's 
They are creating a benefit to society. And again, to go back to Deirdre McCluskey, when she was talking, she was talking about the spirit of capitalism resides in the businessman or the businesswoman that goes out and opens a small business on the high street. That's capitalism. You know, it's a small business. It's not necessarily the big fat cat sitting in the big office who's making millions. The spirit of capitalism resides on Main Street. When you look at recent history, we see some economic constraints, constrictions, if you were calamities, in some cases we see, Mm -hmm. you know, the great depression, Mm -hmm. uh, more recently, the great recession. And then you look at the economic slowdown caused by COVID-19 and people throw up their hands and they say, well, Hey, this, the system's not working for me. The system's broken. What is the state of capitalism today? Is it a broken system? Is it a system that is a good thing, but could be improved upon? What is the current outlook? I think there's no doubt that capitalism is under siege. And I think it's under siege, again, because of the very word capitalism. In times of COVID, I think people have obviously looked to governments as being their saviour. The fact that the Liberal government has pumped billions upon billions into the economy, into giving people CERB payments, keeping businesses afloat. There is a role for government. But, you know, if the government saved the economy... It was companies like Pfizer, started by two German immigrants in the 19th century, who created a drug that is saving people. Mm -hmm. These roles don't need to be separate. They can work together, the role of government and the role of capitalism. I think capitalism, again, as a theory, would have no government intervention. It would just be allowed to to run rampant and, and to do whatever it liked. Well, I don't think that's realistic in any society. There is going to be a role for government and there is going to be a role from society and societal pressures to make capitalism accountable, perhaps. Looking to the future, as you mentioned, under COVID-19, we've had the government pump billions into the economy. There's people who want to look to the government for interventions like a universal basic income and the elimination of poverty. What role is there for a capitalistic system And how do they work with governments going forward? I know you touched on earlier the idea that the Pope is working with more capitalistic figures to help address the idea of poverty. But what is the role in the future? How do governments and a free market kind of go hand in hand going forward? I think one of the things is that your question seems to imply that capitalism is going to stop. But Again, let's forget the word capitalism and let's call it innovism or innovations. Mm -hmm. Those things are not going to stop, Dave. They're just going to keep going on and on and on. We're living through a time period which has been unparalleled in history. Up until the 18th century, history moved at a glacial pace. If you were born in poverty, it's because your parents were in poverty and your grandparents and before then, like going back hundreds and hundreds of years since capitalism as a practice developed in the 18th century, we have just kept innovating and innovating and innovating. That has meant that we now live at average age in the 18th century in Britain was something like 50 years. Now it's 81. And it's because we keep innovating. And I see that going forward. I don't see capitalism stopping. I don't see how it can be stopped. I think it's a force Mm -hmm. that will just keep innovating and innovating. You know, we're, you know, we're talking about going to Mars. This is incredible time in history right now. And I think that's due to capitalism. And I think it's going to keep going forward. 
your feature part of a broader series by the National Post. What else can we expect from what's being called the Capitalist Manifesto? Yeah, so my piece was sort of looking at the arc of capitalism and trying to look into a little bit of its history. Going forward, the Post is going to be doing a lot more features, especially over the next week. Some of our commentators will be looking at capitalism and its future and, uh, you know, its force for good and uh, what can we expect from it in the future. It's a fascinating read. I look forward to reading the rest of the series. Mick, thanks for your time. Thanks, Dave. Ten Three is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Mick Higgins. More in the Capitalist Manifesto can be found at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>